Welcome to Nathan's School of Thought. I'm Nathan Walker, Global Performance Coach, here to share principles gleaned from decades of teaching, training, and coaching on four continents. Whether you're a senior executive, salesperson, new parent, military leader, artist, musician, head of a nonprofit, or a student, it doesn't matter who you are, only who you can become. Join me each week to have your brain flipped upside down as we move together toward a happier, healthier, and much more productive life. Hello, my friends. Last week's podcast included some mention of the parable of the Good Samaritan. Now, this isn't meant to be some sort of gospel lesson, but it will have something directly to do with what we're talking about today. And that is a thing called cognitive fluency. Bet you've never heard of that before, huh? At the time of Jesus, there was a group of people, well, there were several groups of people who wanted to shut him down. The scribes and the Pharisees, who were the religious leaders of the day, were really, really staunchly adhering to the law of Moses, but had made up a lot of extra laws. You don't know what that's like, right? Because you've never lived in a place where government could come up with more and more and more regulations. These were religious laws, but nonetheless, the scribes and Pharisees had tremendous political clout and had a whole lot to do with any effort to shut down this young guy who was going around spouting a bunch of stuff that they didn't like when he was only educated, really, as the son of a carpenter. Now, in the midst of all this, they decided that they would try to make him what it's, what's described in the Bible as an offender for a word. In other words, they were looking for anything that he said that could be deemed doctrinally incorrect and that they could use to prosecute him one way or the other. In the midst of all this, he began teaching publicly only in parables. In fact, there's a verse that says something like, other than parables, he didn't talk, at least in public. He did this for two reasons. Number one, because the scribes and the Pharisees were always looking at something to be offended about, bet you don't know anybody like that, then he wanted to avoid doing anything that they could claim was a doctrinal error, whether or not it was, and cause any kind of trouble. But the second was that we remember stories better than we remember facts, figures, logic, or anything else. You want some proof? Think about the last time you watched a PowerPoint presentation. How much of that do you remember? Now, for those of you who were raised in the United States, think about the story of Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Pretty easy, isn't it? We remember stories. Most of the time, we remember between 3 and 7% of what is spoken. That means we can go listen to a speech and we'll remember maybe 5% of it. But stories stick. They make it easy to think about what's being told. And we go on kind of a journey with the storyteller. Our mind process the, processes the information differently than were it just a bunch of facts, figures, or bullet points. And there, there's a reason those are called bullet points. Shoot me now. So we process stories in a different manner. The easier something is to think about, the more likely we are to retain it. 
stories fit that criteria. Making things easy to think about is a layman's description of a thing called cognitive fluency. Just make it easy to think about. Not necessarily easy to understand, but easy to think about. Now, you know that I've spent many years going all over the world and teaching business seminars and workshops and sales trainings and giving personal coaching and group coaching. And in all of that, I see more presentations than I can count, and most of them make me want to hurl. They give me the urge to regurge. Why? Because they're full of information. Information is not the key to changing behavior. Information is not the key to getting someone to do what you want them to do, even for their sake. Here's an example. If I say to my daughter, your room is a mess and you've got to clean your room, her response will be, I know, Dad. Knowledge doesn't produce the change in behavior. The fact that she knows her room is messy won't produce anything useful, at least not most of the time. Now, I have more than one daughter and I really like all of them. So I'm not going to tell you which one I'm thinking about right this minute. I will let them divine that, and then they can argue it amongst themselves. Knowledge does not produce what we want. If you want a change in behavior, you need somebody to see something in a new or different way. And the best way you can do that is by making it easy to think about. There are three outcomes from cognitive fluency. They are, number one, Your listener believes that you're telling the truth. You want to be trusted? Make it easy to think about. Number two, your listener believes that you are an expert on the topic. You want to be seen as knowledgeable? Don't bury people in fancy phrases or long words. Make it easy to think about. They will believe you're an expert. Number three, Your audience will believe that they can do what you are recommending that they do. This is true in a business context. It's true in personal life. It's true in marriages. It's true, period. If you want somebody to think that what you're recommending is within reach, make it easy to think about. That's cognitive fluency. Back on the parable of the Good Samaritan and the parables of Jesus in general. He avoided legal and religious entanglements by making things easy to understand in story form. The stories were based on customs, traditions, places, and situations that were very, very common to people who lived in that part of the world at that time. The story of the Good Samaritan is a beautiful example of this. When the scribes and Pharisees were trying to back him into a corner, religiously speaking, and find some point of doctrine upon which they could contend. He talked about the two great commandments, to love God with all your heart, might, and strength, and the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Excited at a way to trip him up, they said, yeah, but who's my neighbor? His response was not information. He didn't answer the question by describing what a neighbor was, and he didn't pull out a dictionary. He said, A certain man went into a far country and fell among thieves who stripped him and beat him and left him for dead. And then he described religious leaders 
prominent citizens, people who should have known what to do and known how to do it. But they just passed by on the other side of the road. Finally, along comes a Samaritan. Now, this was more poignant to this audience than you and I might believe. The Jews hated the Samaritans. They were considered less than human. They were the lowest of the low, and association with a Samaritan, or even walking across their land, might contaminate a Jew. The Samaritan stopped and helped this Jewish man. He bound up his wounds. He poured in oil and other healing ointments. He put him on his own horse and took him to an inn, where he left money with the innkeeper and said, Take care of this man until I get back, and if there's any money owed, I'll take care of it with you then. Jesus then asked the gathered crowd, Which one was his friend? What choice did they have? The answer was, He that showed compassion on him. And Jesus said, Go and do thou likewise. By answering the question in story form, he made it memorable. And the three things that we hope to do were answered. Number one, they believed he was telling the truth. Number two, they believed he was an expert on the topic. And number three, they believed they could do what he recommended that they do. You want to change your business? Get rid of all the heavy stuff and start making things easy to think about. You want to change your conversations with your friends, your family, your loved ones, your children, your spouse? Make them easy to think about. Not necessarily easy to understand. That's not always achievable. But at least easy to think about. Stories, experiences, parables, things that you share, especially when you are vulnerable, will make people more likely to trust you, to believe you, and to believe in themselves. How can you do anything more important than that? Whether you are religious or not, you can't argue with the effect that these parables have had over a couple of thousand years. Get your story straight. Let me help you do it if you'd like. And see how the world changes. It will blow your mind. If I can help you with this, and I can, be sure to go to natewalkercoaching.com, click on the contact link, and in the comments area, maybe tell me what would be most helpful for you. Or, if you'd like, go to natewalkercoaching.com and take the Habit Finder assessment, and you and I will get together free of charge to talk about what we've learned from that assessment and how I might help you best. Until then, think about the stories that move you. And we'll talk again soon.